Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Well, you are in for a treat today, my friend. I know that might sound a little weird when we are talking about law and legal stuff. That can sound boring, but I promise you today's episode makes it really fun and really easy to understand. If you've been dreaming of freelancing or have been freelancing or starting a small side hustle, making some money with your talents, or even if you're several years into small business, this episode is going to really help you understand the legal side of things in a way that makes you breathe a little easier, in a way that helps you not worry about all of the protections you need to have and feel like you're doing something wrong and, you know, worried about what you don't have in place and all of that. If you've ever felt stress around this issue at all, this is going to help you so much. Today, I am talking with Paige Griffith. Paige has a virtual law firm working with online businesses and wedding industry professionals. She is a certified Juris Doctor barred in the state of Montana and holds a double BA in economics and political science. After working as a federal law clerk, Paige traded in the traditional law life for a virtual one and opened the doors to the legal page in 2018. She helps her clients run legal and protected businesses and counsels them on issues related to contracts, intellectual property, privacy, and business law. Her mission is to create an online space where the law isn't so scary and entrepreneurs can get legally legit in no time. Law aside, Paige is a small town Montana a girl who loves to travel, her dog, sugar, and a good glass of red wine. Sounds like my kind of friend. You are going to love this episode if this has ever stressed you out, if this topic has ever just caused you to feel like your brain is jumbled around and you don't know where to start. Paige breaks it down so simply and helps us actually just get started without feeling too overwhelmed or burdened by this legal stuff. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Paige Griffith. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey Paige, welcome to She. I am so pumped to be talking to you. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm so happy to be here and honored as well. Oh, absolutely. This is funny because I literally have to, I just have to tell the story of how this actually unfolded. I have been watching your social media and all that you've been sharing. And I was just really, I mean, I found a lot of value in it personally. And so I just sent you a DM and I was like, hi, do you want to be on my podcast? The most unprofessional way I've ever done this. <laughs> well, it was really fun because I was like, is this real? Is this happening? Like, <laughs> I follow you too. And I'm like, wait, this is someone that I've looked up to for so long. And did she oh. just like DM me a sentence? And I was like, I don't know what's happening. That's awesome. So of course, I was like, yeah, so I would love to be on your podcast. And then, yeah, your team and I got in contact. And I'm just happy to be here. Uh, thrilled to have you, my friend. You are doing amazing things in the world. And I want everyone to know about it. So maybe the best place to start would be the beginning. Tell me like a little bit of the 
background. Um, what is your background and how did that lead to what you're doing now? Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know who I am, my name is Paige. I am the owner and lead attorney behind the legal page. Um, I am also a photographer in Montana. So I am based out of Montana. I live in Montana here with my husband and my puppy. Uh, and that's kind of the culmination of how everything got started is my entrepreneur life and my legal life came together into one. Uh, when I first started law school, I started my photography business to have a creative outlet. You know, I was reading and writing the books, like rewriting the law all day long. Mm-hmm. And I needed something different. Like I knew that I still had a creative passion like in my soul and I had always had a love for photography so I reached out to a friend he told me what camera to buy and that's kind of you know the culmination of Paige Marie photography which is my photography business that I've had for the past eight years and Mm. I throughout law school just like loved 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 growing a business and much to my surprise as I was like working in academia my whole life and you know that that was pretty much what I did from high school mm-hmm. college law school moving forward was like all I cared about was grades and like working really hard and you know becoming the best lawyer I could be and then I feel like you know some higher power really took over and said Paige actually you really love business and you love to do the entrepreneur things. And I loved working with clients and building up Paige Marie Photography. And so after law school, because I worked super hard, I applied for like all of these positions that you're supposed to apply for. You know, you're on this train you can't get off of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they tell you all these things you need to do. I call it like the traditional legal path. Mm-hmm. And I was actually really, really fortunate because it ended up leading me to where I am today. I um, was accepted to become a federal clerk um, for one of the best judges that I could have ever worked with. And I worked for him for two years after law school. And I was still just like rampant with Paige Marie photography. I was working like probably 20 to 30 weddings a year and probably Mm. serving like a hundred different client sessions as well on top of my full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) Did you sleep? No, I didn't. Yeah, I've been on some podcasts and I'm like, I don't really know how I got through that time period. (laughs) I think Marco like helped me live, fed me like he made sure that I was like still going on walks and like doing normal things. Um, So thankfully I had him by my side, but it was a weird period of time. Like hustle was definitely Mm -hmm. the name of the game. And I was just I was still, you know, in my young 20s and I was like, go, go, go. Like I can do everything, mm-hmm. you know, like as a female, we're like, we can do everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so I did. Um, but I will never forget, Jordan. And this is the first time I've actually said this on a podcast that I've been on. Uh, I had my judge who, you know, is around 70 years old. He's been in you know, the legal world forever. He said He's seen everything Mm -hmm. and he really kind of mentors his law clerks to like go on and be trial attorneys and work for big firms and become partner and all that stuff. And I'll never forget when he came into my office and sat down and was like, I really think you're going to be doing something different Mm -hmm. than any other clerk I've ever had. And he goes, let's talk about your next steps. And I'll never forget his support and just uh, just candid honesty with what he thought would be a good life path for me and that he thought it would be really cool for me to go into the virtual attorney world space and kind of serve online entrepreneurs because that's what I wanted to do. Hmm. 
And I was like, how can I combine photography and like my entrepreneur passions with my legal passion? And that's when I started the legal page. Mm. <laughs> I had a good girlfriend that came helped me come up with that name. And I was like, oh, that's a cute play on words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I filed for my trademark. I got my trademark. And I, I really started from the ground up, Jordan. I, mm. I started just posting blogs uh, and not taking on clients because I couldn't. I was still working for the judge. So for ethical reasons, you can't like practice law. Okay. Yeah. And so I just started legal blogs mm. and I just started pushing out free content and going to conferences and like introducing myself. And if you can believe it, that was in September. September 2018 is when the legal page basically opened its doors. And now we're not even two years out. And I'm like, what is this business? Mm. It's exploded since then. Um, But I love it. I love what I do. I don't like shoot photography as much as I did in the past. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about that if if the time balance has shifted. Oh, totally. Um, You know, I'm able to use my law degree to help others in this industry that I love so much still. Um, So I, I, you know, I really work in the event industry, but now I'm also serving tons of online entrepreneurs Mm. just because from a legal perspective, like attorneys do not understand what it's like Mm -hmm. for us to run online businesses. It's like, it's like the wild, wild west. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I, there was this gap, you know, this gap of knowledge that an attorney you'd have to like sit down and just talk through your whole business with and they Mm -hmm. wouldn't really understand like wait you market on Instagram I don't even know what Instagram is and how do you do xyz and for me I can just like talk to someone and know exactly what they do and how they do it and Mm -hmm. then I can see all the legal things behind Mm -hmm. their business that need to be taken care of and it's really cool Jordan now I I have like a team of all these women that help um behind the scenes of the legal page and that's kind of that's my story amazing 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 I love that you just identified well first of all the the combination of the two things that I think in some ways can seemingly appear to be at odds and really how you said like wait a second I have this background and I have this passion so how can I combine my skills with where I'm actually really thriving Um, Mm -hmm. and I love that you did that in such a way like it seems so simple and I think a lot of times women feel the pressure when they identify like oh I could really do this thing right like I have this skill Mm -hmm. or I have this passion or this talent now what right like how do I now actually do something with that and I think that pressure to figure that out can feel so overwhelming and so in some ways what a gift it was that you had kind of that legal like you said that legal obligation to where you couldn't just say okay I'm gonna go like start selling stuff right now it's just like I know that I'm going to be able to sell my expertise at some point, but for mm-hmm. right now, I'm going to take a baby step and put it out there and look where that led, you know, like that's just amazing. So I love that story. That is so awesome. Um, I'm curious though, when the idea began, did you feel like you had a lot of support in it? Did you feel like at all isolated or, you know, kind of be like you said, the the judge had made a comment that you're going to do something different than all the different clerks or all the clerks that he's worked with. So doing something different than maybe the traditional path, did you have any hesitation or fear with that? Did you feel like you had great support? Did you ever come up against resistance? I'm curious what that experience was like. Yeah, great question. Uh, I definitely didn't have a lot of support. <laughs> Um, because it's so new, Mm. um, a lot of other like 
professions that are certified and you have to go to additional schooling, um, like medical professionals and accountants, so on and so forth. They are kind of already online. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, you know, the industry as a whole is accepting of being an online service provider, but the legal world is like always behind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, like it's still old boys club mm. a little bit. Like I know women are still, you know, just trying to push through and, you know, we're being trailblazers in many respects across the legal industry. Mm. Um, but one of, you know, they're still working on getting like female equity in law firms. Mm. Wow. And so to go from that to like working on, you know, that's what I was passionate about my entire legal career, like being a part of women's law caucus. And hmm. I'm always a part of the women's section of the bar. Um, but when I was like, well, I'm going to be that, but also do this virtual attorney world. <laughs> and there's not very many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally new. The legal like industry hasn't totally got on board with it they're not really sure how to perform Mm. legal services online and so there's just a handful of us I would say like maybe 10 to 50 in the entire United States (laughs) that have virtual law firms and I only knew of a few um, colleagues and friends that had kind of like started and were doing what I was doing and that's where I gained the most support from. So I do have lots of other virtual attorneys that do what I do. And the legal world can be very, very competitive. Hmm. And so it was kind of this, it was a factor for me to consider, like, are these people going to be accepting of me? Are they willing to talk me through things and mentor me hmm. through becoming a virtual attorney? And some of them did and some of them didn't. But the ones that did, like, all of our businesses are pretty successful now Yeah, because uh, we were all working together through this like unchartered territory. Like we didn't even know what we were doing, starting virtual law firms. And mine's a more of a virtual legal platform and Mm -hmm. educational platform. Um, So yeah, that's interesting. When I first started out, no, uh, but now I think I do have a lot more support Mm -hmm. and I have friends in the legal world that are like, this is cool. What are you doing? Tell me what you do. And I feel like 10 years from now, hopefully I can mentor, Mm -hmm. you know, young female professional, you know, Mm. lawyers that are going into the legal world Mm. and help them be like, there's an untraditional path that you should also consider. And I'm here to help if you have any questions. That's awesome. Well, I, I, first of all, thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes we can look at where someone is now and think like, oh, well, that's because they had all the support in the world. And, you know, and it's not always the truth. Like sometimes you've kind of got to get through that season of other people not understanding what the heck you're doing. Even when sometimes you're like, I don't even understand what the heck I'm doing. Oh, um, yeah. I have no idea. I yeah. was like, well, I'll figure this out as I go. I mean, two years later, I'm like, okay, now I know the answer. But two yeah. years ago, I had no idea. Yep. I uh, yeah, 100% understand that. And I actually um, have this quote that I think would be really timely to share as you're talking about this, where basically it's from Forbes and Forbes says technology's evolution allows modern women the empowerment of joining tradition with innovation. So having a traditional professional degree such as law or um, something, you know, like nutrition or whatever, and then joining that with technology that's now available allows these virtual, like you, like you shared, legal platforms or virtual options that 
kind of blend somewhat of a traditional career path with an untraditional model. And mm-hmm. I just love that, the idea of joining tradition with innovation, especially for women. So that is awesome. And I can't wait to see what you do in 10 years. <laughs> oh, thanks. And yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to see what everyone does for mm. the next few years. Um, it's going to be really cool to look back on all of this and be like, yeah, now 50% of the legal world is online. Mm. I bet <laughs> it's going to be like that. Where- yeah, that's where the economy is going. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll catch up sooner. Yeah. <laughs> With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. 
or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Okay, so I want to kind of pivot a little bit, if you don't mind, and I want to talk about some of the questions that I get asked, and I'm always like, uh, I technically can't give you legal advice, um, <laughs> but I'm often asked um, from women like who either have a skill and they want to do something with it, make a little supplemental income online, like not everyone, and maybe I think this is actually important to talk about as well, but not necessarily everyone who wants to figure out this kind of online space as a creative wants to build the next massive enterprise. I actually think a lot of women are like, Hey, I just have this skill and I want to figure out how to make some extra cash with it to help pay for groceries. Or I want to have a really small business and I'm okay with that for the next few years. Maybe someday I'll grow it big. But I think there's this new wave of doing business in a different way and not necessarily feeling like you have to be like build the next Google, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, with that, I'm I, I'm I want to speak to the woman that you and I were when we first were kind of thinking about starting, not even really necessarily started yet. I just want to speak to the person who, you know, in your case, who had this legal background or had this skill and was trying to figure out like how could I maybe do something with this in the online space creatively, or someone like me who had when I first started back in the day had a little hand lettering skill and was like, how can I make some money with this? You know, so while I'm going to school, so. I want to speak to that woman for a second. And I would love if you could give just a little bit of insight into, I think there's a lot of questions swirling around like, okay, if I'm going to charge my friend for this, or if I'm going to put this online and try to make a sale on social media with my painting or whatever it is, um, I think there's a lot of overwhelm and confusion on like, what can I do legally? What if I'm not ready to like start a full blown business? I'm still working as a nurse partner full time, you know, like I've got a lot going on, but I'd love to do this on the side or I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to dip my toe in the water, if you will. I'm a little overwhelmed though, by what I should actually be legally doing. I think the question is like, do I need to register a business if I don't even really know if I'm wanting to start a full business right now? Like, what should I do first? Can you just speak into that a little bit from the legal side to help us know the best way to navigate this as we're trying to pursue these these skills that we have? Yeah, I would love to. And I just want to talk about this calmly because I think people's legal heebie-jeebies start coming out <laughs> in like hives. They're like, wait, what? Legal stuff? Uh-huh. And it's The one thing I will tell people is I can just calm and like, you know, shove all of that away for you because when you're first starting out, you really don't need to do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, To speak very frankly, like the only thing you really need to do legally is pay taxes on the income you receive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just make sure that you're like documenting all of that and you can report that on your income tax return because it doesn't matter how much you make. I've gotten that question before. Like you still need to report that it, it is you it is legal to not report income mm-hmm. that you receive. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like registering and, you know, doing fancy things with your business and maybe registering your business name that you aren't even sure if that is going to be your business mm-hmm. name. You let me just calm all of that down because you don't need to do anything. By default, you are a sole proprietor. So if you start any business, I like to think of it as an arm and extension of yourself as mm-hmm. a person. It's under your social security number, which we all have anyway. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go register for anything. And you'll just be receiving income from you know, your sole proprietorship entity, uh, but it's not an actual registered business entity and you don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just say like, the, you know, square one is it's okay if you're commingling funds with like your personal bank account and that's fine because side hustles is where everybody starts. Mm-hmm. And 
don't worry too much about the legal stuff when you get started because also you just don't have a ton of risks and liabilities mm-hmm. that you need to worry about. Uh, just get your business up and running. Um, you know, make sure that you're documenting income at that point so that you can report it appropriately as you know, your sole proprietorship. It's, it's by default. You don't have to register anything mm-hmm. to be a sole proprietorship. Um, none of that. Uh, so yeah, there's not much you have to do. The one caveat I would say though, Jordan, is some counties have like regulations regarding like permitting or licensing you need to get to run (laughs) an at-home business oh okay so like why you don't have to register your business with your state or anything at that point because you don't honestly you don't need to it's not worth it at that point to like become a LLC limited liability company. Mm. Um, And maybe it's not even worth it to get a business bank account at that point. But what you do need to make sure is that if you are running just maybe even a side hustle or something out of your garage or even working on your computer and doing something, uh, you know, selling things through Etsy, you may have some county regulations and like it's a small permit to be running technically an at-home business. Mm. And I think it's around, I don't know, maybe a hundred bucks, maybe a little bit more depending on the county. Um, So that is like the one thing that I do have to say, like, I I don't know. I don't know what people may have county wise and Mm. maybe there's certain stipulations like you need to be, you know, make generating this amount of income to have to, you know, to be able to apply for a permit or to be qualified for a permit. But usually those would apply no matter where you're at in your business journey. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's really helpful and really does take the, okay, it's like, okay, I can just start. And I think that like, seriously, it's not that complicated. It can get complicated if you've started and you start making good money and then you start hiring team members and then you start buying inventory and you start doing all of these things and then you don't have an actual plan, right? Like that's where you're kind of going to find yourself uh, caught with your tail between your legs. But I think, you know, to be honest, that really does help us breathe a little bit. So thank you for the calm delivery of the facts. And also, I guess the bottom line is just check with your county and find out if that's something that's required. Um, but would you agree with me? I, I would love to hear your thought on kind of how this fits legally, because I tend to describe small business, whether it's a side hustle or whatever, in kind of four stages. And I would love if you can speak into like, okay, where does it, what is this, what does each stage mean legally? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I usually describe it as like stage one is you have the skill or the idea or the dream. And you've got a lot of people like poking you like, Hey, you should, you should do something with this, you know? Um, So that's kind of like pre anything. Then stage two is kind of what we're talking about right now, where you're just kind of, you kind of have a paid hobby. Like you might end up turning it into more of a full business or might just be a little side gig that you make a couple extra hundred dollars a month, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Then stage three, I tend to describe as kind of that solopreneur, if you will. It's like you're official. Maybe you start hiring a little bit of help, like outsourcing with a VA, like a virtual assistant or something like that. Um, But it's still relatively like under, it's still small, right? And then I would say stage four is the CEO stage. Like that's where you start developing team structure, brand architecture, workflows, systems. Like, well, you should probably have some workflows and systems prior to that. But like that's <laughs> kind of where it starts really go like you delegate and you're not so in the weeds anymore. You've got people running in lanes or departments, if you will. And it still doesn't necessarily need to be enterprise level, but it's run in such an efficient way that you are a little bit out of the weeds and you're kind of operating in your genius zone again, just like you did back when you were just the dreamer and just doing it for fun. Um 
And so that's kind of how I describe like the breakdown, because I think a lot of people think like they're the dreamer and they're in the dreamer stage. And they think if I start a business or if I start anything, I need to be in phase four, like overnight, I need to become a CEO. And that's super overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I always say like, actually, you can start with like a paid hobby slash side hustle, you know, Um, then you can really turn it into a legit business, start learning the ropes of that, create some systems, create some workflows. Then you'll if you are ready, you'll graduate into the CEO stage and build more of a team and scale and all, all of those things. But in the legal sense, is there a difference in how we should be set up as we move through those stages, whether we only move to stage two and stay there or go all the way to stage four? Like, what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, there's just steps in the process, just like you said. I mean, everyone should just be taking a step-by-step approach, like baby steps here. You don't have to become a CEO overnight. Mm-hmm. And Jordan and I didn't, you guys. Like, we, we, we have been becoming a CEO for the past few years. And every year, we probably look at our business and assess, like, okay, what do we do need to do legally with mm-hmm. these new risks and liabilities that we're facing? Um, so that's what you just need to do as well. I think Jordan, you know, we're talking about sole proprietors kind of in stage two, one to two is like, you're still a sole proprietor. You're acting under your social security number. Mm -hmm. Sometime in stage two, you need to move from, you know, generating all of your income and I call them touching moments, expenses and income out of your personal bank account. It's probably time to like, look at you know, into getting a business bank account Mm -hmm. and talking with your bank about that just because for liability purposes, it's easier to track and it's good to kind of separate. I call it separation of the two bubbles, like your personal bubbles over here and your business bubble needs to be over here. And that's a good first kind of legal and also financial step that you should take. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And then um, also in that stage two, you really want to start thinking about your business name. So maybe you were dreaming up your business and you were thinking about this business name. Maybe you just looked at Instagram and you were like, this handle's available. So we're going to do this business name. Um, Now it's probably time to kind of research through your state and maybe even federally if that is a good name to continue on with. Uh, Just because you don't want to like continue to create goodwill with this name Mm -hmm. and a business reputation with a name that may actually infringe on another business's name Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then have to like go through the headache of changing it in the future. Mm -hmm. So, and that all kind of culminates into you registering your business name. So that's kind of the first legal step most businesses take is registering what's called a trade name, an assumed name, a fictitious name with your state. So it's in your home state. They do all business registration stuff. It's never with the federal government. It's always with your home state. Um, And that's the first kind of registration that you have to do, but it still doesn't make your business like a business entity. You're still a sole proprietor, but you just now have a business name registered. Um, And so just kind of research and look into that and then a business bank account. That's kind of phase two. Phase three is when you're really looking at, okay, I should probably actually be a business entity Mm. now. Like this is, I'm making, there's no, everyone always asks me like, what, how much do I need to be making? It's kind of a gray area. There's no like right or wrong answer here. But I always say like, you know, when you're at like 10, 20, $30,000 in like a side hustle, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of more of a business yeah. than it is like you dreaming and like just selling, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month is different mm-hmm. than like a 20 or $30,000, you know, right. amount. Right. <laughs> so uh, at that point, 
again, it just correlates with you have more customers, you're producing more product, there's more risks and liabilities you face. And with that comes, you completely need to separate. You have your business bank account ready to go. And that's why these steps are so important because you're not doing everything at once. (laughs) You've got your business bank account, you've got your name registered and you're like, okay, I'm good to go. Then I would suggest you look at registering for a limited liability company, LLC, in your home state. And that actually makes a business entity. So people, you know, there's a misnomer out there that a sole proprietorship, an LLC, and an S-corp are all three different types of business entities, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're not. An LLC is the only business entity out of all of that. The other ones are just like the way default roles of you you know, operating your business. And I'll talk just a teeny bit about S corporations Mm -hmm. because it does get complicated, but, um, an LLC is kind of your big step in becoming an official registered professional business in your home state. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then everything kind of just flows through your LLC. And what it does is it creates a liability bubble around your business, So you've done the groundwork of like getting a business bank account and, you know, trying to separate (laughs) church and state a little bit, Mm -hmm. your your personal assets and your business assets. You've already done your due diligence, but when you're a sole proprietor, you, your personal assets are still at risk because you're, there's no like entity that is limiting your liability as a business owner. And so your personal and business liability all flow together. So can we Which, pause there just to explain that a yeah. little bit? So if I'm a, let's, let's use the photographer example. So if I'm a photographer or I just learned to photography, I've gotten a little bit of a knack for the skill. I decide to do it as a little bit of a side hustle, um, in the, you know, on the weekends or whatever. And I'm a sole proprietor. I'm in phase two, that side hustle phase. So Let's say, you know, I shoot someone's wedding or shoot some some sort of event and for some reason uh, cause some sort of uh, when you say liability, I guess I want to understand what that means, because um, that is kind of a big word. Does that mean like if I lose their photos, am I as an individual at risk now of any kind of legal action they may take? Or if I actually cause some sort of physical damage, does it apply to all of that? Can you just dive a little bit into what that would mean for me if I were a sole proprietor? if I caused some sort of damage or if I were an LLC, can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah, that's a perfect example. Um, so when you're a sole proprietor, yes, all of your personal assets would be at risk there. Um, so if you don't have a big business bubble that you can like compensate or pay for any of those and regardless, even if you do, um, if you're not an LLC and just, I mean, for easy explanation purposes. If they were to file a lawsuit against you, your business could get sued, but you could also get sued and be personally liable for all of that. Um, Because there's absolutely no liability protection on any of those things that could happen. Like if, you know, you lost their photos or there's some type of like physical damage or injury, that's kind of a big one for people. Mm -hmm. Um, They probably don't have insurance at that point. They're still not a registered business like that's risks you're taking on Mm -hmm. and when you have a home and you know Mm. 401k and kids you know college funds and savings and a car and like that's a bunch of personal assets that you've worked really hard Mm -hmm. for and it's really good to keep those separate from your business and that's when you kind of plop the business bubble on with an LLC 
Would you say that applies mostly or is most, is, would you say the highest risk for something like that is for someone who has something that's um, more of like a physical location? Like is the, is the risk higher for certain types of businesses versus, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is, yes, because if you come into a physical location, like anyone could get hurt at your physical location. Mm -hmm. Um, But for like, uh, you know, lawsuits and like sticky situations is what I call them that could come up in the future. Like there's so many claims that could be made. And honestly, because the economy has moved so much to the online world, like people will, you know, if they're litigious, like they'll go after any company. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just have to be a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always just want to alert people of that. And honestly, I mean, it's expensive in like California, New York, it's like around $800 a year or so to be an LLC. But in some States it's like 70 bucks Mm -hmm. or a hundred bucks. And that's the best insurance you can get for your business when Mm -hmm. you're just starting out. Mm you know, separate your personal and your business assets into two different bubbles Mm -hmm. for like 70 to a hundred bucks and then just self-insure. You don't need to get like a huge insurance policy yet. Um, that's, that's where I always tell people like, that's why an LLC is so important to get. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the way that you've described it is kind of like the way I'm like interpreting it is, when you're first just, you know, dabbling with something on the side, prove to yourself that you can make some money doing this thing. Cause I think that's why a lot of people don't start, you know? And then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, cool. Once you've done that and it's going, then protect yourself because then you know, like, okay, this is a legit thing and the sooner the better. But I think that thought process of how to go about that in those steps is, is digestible. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It's not like, oh my gosh, now I have this legal entity and I'm not doing anything with it because my, my, my plans changed or whatever. It allows you that exploratory time without putting, without waiting too long, you know? Yeah. That's good. So good. Okay. I think I cut you off on what you were saying earlier, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of illustrate the example because sometimes like words like entity and liability and all of that can be a little oh. overwhelming. Yeah, it's like legal mumbo jumbo and people's heads are spinning. So I'm so glad that you put it into perspective, Jordan. Like we do, we need to like dummy this down and I try to do it as best as I can. You're doing great. Sometimes sometimes I get on my like, yeah, lawyer, you know, chit chat, you know, lawyer speak. So uh, what I would say is like when you're in stage three, you've kind of got your registration with your state, your LLC, you still have like your permits to work at home and now you've got your business bank account. Those are kind of the three check marks you need to do. Um, then you, your business is probably, if you want it to, right? Like this is all you're, you get, you're the master of your own business. You can do, uh, what you want with your own business path. But if you want to start growing and scaling and making more money and bringing on more team members, just know that all of that does come with some legal stuff you've got to do. Um, so contracts really become super important. They're really important at every stage of, you know, your business life. But at that point too, you really want to make sure you have different contracts. So you probably had like your main client contract or like, you know, selling contract terms Mm -hmm. and conditions, what have you, you've probably already implemented that in some respect. But once you start growing and scaling, you're going to be having probably like independent contractor agreements, you know, online course agreements, like there's so many different types of contracts. And I know that that's where people kind of forget. They're like, okay, what am I doing? What is this, you know, business 
this new business uh, model that I'm producing um, or what am I adding into my business here as a revenue stream? Like what contracts do I need to look at? Mm-hmm. That is really important at that stage when you're kind of between the like three to four stage where you're really becoming a CEO. You're just adding more, you know, again, risks and liabilities on because you are now looking out for team members and Mm -hmm. you want to make sure they are contractors, right? And they can't be qualified as employees because that's not good Mm -hmm. if they do look like employees because then you might get penalized Mm -hmm. and have to pay some taxes in the future. So, Mm -hmm. and all of that really starts with contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is where you are moving more into stage four. And then the last thing I was going to say quickly, and I'm not going to go into it because S-Corps are confusing <laughs> to anyone. <laughs> uh, and But people ask me about them all the time. I know it's just like words that are thrown out there on the internet. You need to be an S-Corp. You need to be an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, and S-Corporations are just a tax designation through the IRS. So you are still an LLC. People forget that part. Mm-hmm. Um, for So business entity-wise, you're still an LLC, but you designate for tax purposes as what's called an S-corporation. So you file this form with the IRS, and if they accept it, then you have to like pay yourself a certain mm-hmm. amount, like you're on salary with your business. And it saves you sometimes thousands of dollars in self-employment taxes. Mm-hmm. And that's where you want to get like an accountant to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do ask that and that's a consideration you need to start thinking about when you're in stage four. Um, because, you know, if a reasonable income for you would be around $50,000 and say you're making like $100,000 with your business, you're going to be paying self-employment taxes on that other 50000 When if you were an S-corporation, you could just be paying self-employment taxes on the 50000 that you pay yourself and that's where the tax savings is. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to simplify that for people, um, you know, the number is somewhere around like sixty to 80000 usually if you're making that an actual net profit. Mm-hmm. That's when you should, you know, go talk to a CPA about becoming an S corporation. But uh, that's really accounting things. It's not in financial things. It's not legality purposes. Like you still want to make sure you're an LLC for legal purposes. Right, right. Okay, good. So that's if you are listening and you're in this stage where you're like, okay, I'm making a good amount of money and getting taxed out the wazoo, I might need to consider an (laughs) S-corp. You will come to that point at some point um, if you keep going. (laughs) But um, this is really helpful for just kind of those beginning stages. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about, you made a comment about contracts. And that is also something I get asked a lot about when it comes to whether it's a product shop owner who's like, what should I put in my terms and conditions and my policies? And what do, what do I do with all that? You know, or um, even a service provider feeling like, you know, what do I, what are non-negotiables and how I should protect myself? So can you just speak a little bit to, even as a side hustler um, or someone just kind of, if you will, having a paid hobby? Um, I love that phrase. It makes it feel so much less intimidating. Um, <laughs> but what, let's talk about the contract side of things a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot to that, but if you could give us a little bit of direction, I think that would be very helpful. Yeah. So when you're first starting out, the main thing you want to have is just some type of terms and conditions. Like you might not have to have a full blown contract, but if you're like a product um, seller online, um, you really need to ensure that you kind of have like a refund policy and like a 
damage or defect policy towards anything that you sell um, and like shipment policies, those type of things. You know, to be mm. honest, like think about it from a consumer standpoint. If what what are we wondering when we go to the bottom footer of these mm. people that we purchase from? Like we're always looking at kind of their refund policies. Mm. Um, so take note of that. And that's something that you should just have in your basic terms and conditions. Uh, the other thing, Jordan, is when you're just starting out, a lot of people build email lists and they have like a website uh, where they are starting to promote their products or promote their services. And this is really product based or service based. Um, if you have a website and you have any type of newsletter list mm -hmm. um, and marketing is involved in that, there is federal laws on personal privacy protection. And this is because on the World Wide Web, emails are getting taken and people's personal information is getting taken without their consent. And so all you need to know as a business owner is if you are capturing anybody's personal information, whether that's just an email or if you are like in a checkout process through Etsy or, you know, any type of e-commerce website gathering, you know, their email address, maybe their address phone numbers, those type of things, uh, you do need to have what's called a privacy policy on your website. And that is very, very, very important to have. And it's required by law to have. Um, and these are, it's not something you can really write up yourself. So just go find a virtual attorney online and they will have like a template website terms and conditions and privacy policy that you should have. And this is where a lot of people uh, are like, oh my gosh, how do how do I get that up? How do people click? Um, they're in most e-commerce checkout systems. You can just say, um, you know, I've I agree to the privacy policy or mm -hmm. I agree to the terms and conditions, and it's a little checkbox. Mm -hmm. And so you check that box and you just link. That's why it's nice to have them on your website because you can just link those privacy policies and terms and conditions. And we all do this every day where we don't click on them. Mm -hmm. But it is, legally speaking, you are required to have that option for them to click on and know of their rights to protect their own personal information. Um, so those are kind of the two things, like when you're starting online, just to be aware of contract-wise, mm -hmm. like terms and conditions of the thing you're selling um, and or, you know, the services you're providing. And that will evolve over time. You know, your main client contract or your main product service agreement is going to evolve and change. As things happen in your business, you're probably going to need to go back and modify your contract so it's a little more clear mm -hmm. that doesn't happen in the future. Um, but website terms and conditions and privacy policies should just be up across the board. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, other contracts will come up and you'll just need to add those into your business as you as you go on mm -hmm. and as you bring on team members, um, as your business grows, as you add on more service offerings or products or bigger products, um, you know, if you have like a mastermind or a retreat or those type of things you're going to need bigger contracts for because it's a higher ticket price mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you want to that a higher ticket price always equals potential for sticky situations in the future because people are protective of the money that they pay. Right, right. So so if you have an offering that's, you know, a couple hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, like you're gonna want a a lot more legit contract than you want than you would want with like little refund policies and terms and conditions on a fifteen dollar product. Right, right. 
Woo. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, 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 no. It's so good. And I am so thankful that you explained that a little bit more. And I would love to know. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I don't have a virtual attorney. How do I get my privacy policy? I don't know why I'm talking like that. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm talking as like how I think. Do you ever do that? Like where you talk, how the thought is going through your mind? Like, okay. uh." (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) I'm annoying. It's a little more high pitched. Yours is lower. I like that. (laughs) It's like that. It's like that nervous, nervous voice. You know, you're like, okay, yeah. I think I know what I'm doing. Um, do you have resources for new entrepreneurs or not even people who think of themselves as entrepreneurs? Just when they're like, okay, I just need a privacy policy or a terms and conditions to sell my muffins or whatever. Um, do you offer those resources? Do you have a place to point us? Where can we get started with that if we don't know where to just find these magical virtual attorneys if there's only 10 of them in the United States? <laughs> yeah, great question. Um, well, I, I'm always like here to help anyone. So if you go to the legalpage.com, P-A-I-G-E, it's plan words with my name. Uh, we have all these resources on there. They're super easy to like download and just plop onto your website. Uh, and they're template contracts. So like a template website, terms and conditions and privacy policy. That's where most people start. Um, And then, like I said, we have more specific contract templates for people to purchase if you are doing something more specific, um, like a retreat or adding, you know, on a virtual assistant and you need to pay that person. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to need contracts for that. And so, yeah, we have those resources on the legalpage.com. But Jordan, I also just invite people, if it's okay if I say this, we have a um, community on Facebook of all kinds of business owners and small businesses. It's called the Legal Page community it's again i'm just for simplistic purposes i try not to (laughs) complicate things um if you want to join that on facebook you guys you can ask questions if you're like hey i'm not sure what i need or what's going to work for my business you can just ask us and my team and i all lead you in the right direction um we also have lots of you know free blogs free podcasts free downloadable resources like i have a 10-step guide to getting you know your business legal and you just go step by step through the process. So we have lots, lots of resources for people. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. One last question I want to ask is, um, this is a little bit different, but well, I think it, it really relates because as we're recording this and in just real time of this year, um, a lot of businesses have come up against a lot of challenges surrounding all that's going on with the coronavirus and therefore the implications that that has on the economy and events and everything like that. And you've provided a ton of amazing resources on that. And I would just love to know, you know, in light of this, I think this has just been a big wake up call, whether it's for people who are now finding themselves out of work or with with work hours severely cut and needing to create something that is um, supplemental or even full time business owners and or CEOs who are like, wait a second, I just lost half my revenue for the year. So I think all this as much as this has been a very challenging time. I also think it's also been a little bit of a blessing in that it is waking us up to go, how can we be more proactive, right? Because as we get into our flow and we get into our creativity and we're just chugging along and serving clients and doing all the things that we do, sometimes we don't have those pockets of time to slow down and say, what do I need to be doing to kind of safeguard or protect and, you know, protect what I'm creating? And so we talked a little bit about contracts and whatnot, but do you have any, whether it's legal or just general, general, cause you're also a business owner, um, advice for I- anyone at any stage to take, whether it's in a more crisis situation or just in general, to be a little bit more, 
eyes open and proactive when it comes to how we are protecting and safeguarding what we are creating. Yeah. And again, you hit the nail on the head there with, I, this is really a blessing and an eye-opening experience for a lot of business owners to kind of, you know, get their stuff together mm-hmm. on the back end. Um, because businesses may have just been, you know, going day by day, trying to figure things out as they go. Um, and we always are fearful of kind of the what if situations that could come up. Mm-hmm. And it's like playing the lottery with your business you're like, is a what if situation going to come up? Is a client going to be upset? Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just wait for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And my biggest advice to people is this is a motto that I like, it rings true with everything the legal page does. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good business and legal mindset to have as a business owner mm-hmm. is you have to put on your CLO hat, which is your chief legal officer hat. Mm-hmm. And you have to think, okay, how can I be proactive now so I'm not reacting to a sticky situation in the future? Mm-hmm. Because if you're in the reaction phase, you are worse off legally if than if you would have like prevented that at the get-go mm-hmm. or done everything in your power to be proactive, whether that's pointing out clauses in a contract to a client before they sign the contract mm-hmm. or you like looking a little bit more at the explicit language in your contract. Like if it doesn't make sense to you, it's not going to make sense to your clients. Mm-hmm. So maybe right now is a good season and time to really think about these back-end things that you can do. Like it's time to update your contracts. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is a really good time to do that. Modify contracts. Businesses do it all the time. You guys, Mm -hmm. we, you know, we accept terms and conditions on our smartphones every day Mm -hmm. from different applications. So it's okay to update existing contracts Mm -hmm. and it would be a good time to do that. I, I know a lot of people are doing that right now because we have laser beam eyes on the wording in our contracts with like events, right? Mm-hmm. Like, What is the rescheduling and cancellation policy? And mm-hmm. do we have a force majeure clause? And mm-hmm. there's no need to go down kind of the legal mumbo jumbo there. But really for people, I would just say like, take a second and look big picture at your business or your hobby and just think about, okay, these what if things that I was always kind of shoving under the rug for another day, This experience has been eye-opening where it's like, okay, this isn't another day, it's now, Mm -hmm. and it is real. The day has arrived. (laughs) The day has arrived. And this was totally unforeseeable, and it's hitting, of course, the entire world. Um, But there's so many things that could happen, and I just don't want you to be reacting to a situation. Mm -hmm. What are some things you can do in your business now to be more proactive as a business owner? That's kind of what I would leave people with. Mm so good. We will just call it right there. Paige, where can everyone find you? Where can they learn all the things? (laughs) How can they keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. So I am on Instagram quite a bit as Jordan and I met through our DMs. Uh, (laughs) The place where we make the best friendships. (laughs) Yeah. The best friendships are made through DMs. Uh, The legal page. And again, it's the legal P-A-I-G-E with my first name on Instagram. I hang out there a lot. Um, I'm personally in charge of my Instagram account, so I am there the most. Mm. (laughs) And then you can find me at thelegalpage.com, the legal page on Facebook. And like I said, we have a community, but those are usually where, you know, uh, people can find me best. Awesome. Paige, thank you so much for your time. You have blessed our ears and our legal. uh, I was going to say wallets, but that doesn't work. You've blessed us. Well, thank you. I'm like your legal fairy godmother over here, and I'm happy to be that person for everybody.
I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.